The business model that you choose affects absolutely everything about how you do business from what you do on a daily basis to how much money you make and how you make that money to how much time you spend working each week. So obviously choosing this business model is a really important decision. Far too often, this is a decision that isn't even consciously made, but just accepted as a default aspect of the type of business that you are building or the industry in which you're building your business. So let's change that. Let's open up our eyes to the different options and make a conscious decision about the business model that's really right for our businesses, our customers, ourselves, and our personal goals. This episode is one of a series we're currently doing on business models. In each episode, I'm interviewing a business owner about their business model, how it works, how they make money, what all it entails, so that you can learn about your different options and make that choice. We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we want freedom. We want to be in control of our own schedule, income, and life. But unfortunately, that isn't always the reality of being a business owner. I'm Gillian Perkins, and I'm on a mission to take back entrepreneurship for what it's supposed to be. In every episode, I'll share with you how to get the most out of every hour you work so that you can work less and earn more. Let's get to it. Hey there, Natalie, and welcome to the show. So excited to be here, Gillian. So in your business, your main product is a certification program. What exactly does that look like? Inside of our certification program, we are looking at operations and operations is a huge discipline. It's also the most critical discipline in growing a business. So the certification is focused on five particular areas. Now we are certifying people who want to serve small and online businesses. Inside of the operations disciplines, we look at the five functional areas that are most applicable to the small and online market. So when they come to our certification, we're finding that women usually have an expertise in one or two of those functional areas. And so they come to us to get you know deeper, greater, more rounded out knowledge in all five of those disciplines so that they truly can serve at the next level. So tell me what someone would do if they wanted to start a certification program. What did that process look like for you? How did you get this off the ground initially? That's really a really, really, really big question. And there are several steps that are going to go into that. But you know, I was facing the decision of, is this a course? or is this something different? And I never, when I went down this journey, I was really trying to multiply myself. It wasn't that I was even thinking of turning this myself into a product-based leader or business at all. It just happened that way because I was really trying to solve the problem of how do I get this level of help in the hands of business owners? Because I was completely tapped out and I was really having some negative effects on just trying to serve way too many people. And when you serve in the depth and uh, the capacity that, that I have served in and I'm teaching other women to serve in, you just can't take on eight to 10 clients at a time. It's not that kind of a fractional model. It doesn't work. And so I I went to work with trying to figure out how can I help other women to do this? And I'll tell you a little bit of a story here that is 
kind of eye-opening and I still feel the emotions with it every single time I, I tell it. But, you know, the first question was like, well, Nat, how do you multiply yourself? Okay, well, I'll refer people. And, you know, at this point, you know, take seven years ago, five to seven years ago, when I was getting started in this online space, Facebook was a lot different. And these Facebook groups were were really, really, they were wonderful. I was able mm-hmm. to make a ton of connections and deep quality connections. Not saying you can't do that at this time, but that was like everything back then. It was a full on mm-hmm. marketing strategy without you even knowing that you were marketing, but you built such great quality relationships back then. So I had done a ton of coffee chats and getting to know people. And so when people came to me and said, Hey, I'd love to find somebody who does what you do. I started referring people that I had met through these coffee chats. And these businesses that were coming to me were were referrals, right? They were either clients or previous clients that were telling their masterminds, their friends, their, you know, their, their colleagues and peers, they were coming to me and, and, and they were trusting the the people that I was you know, sharing with them. There was a couple weeks there where I just had a barrage and that's probably overstated. It felt very, very heavy at the time. I'm also an empath. And so this definitely hit me very deeply, but I had three friends of friends that I had referred to who had come back to me and and had said, Hey, this person is absolutely not what you said. They're nowhere near the quality. And you know, sometimes that just happens just circumstantially. Then I had another one and another one, three people in a two, in a two week timeframe. And I felt very, very responsible because I had said, I'd kind of given that stamp of approval based off of a coffee chat. And now looking back, I'm like, well, Nat, I mean, you don't, you just don't know enough, but I wanted to be helpful. And that was, that was unfortunately the poison of being helpful without doing a lot of background research. And so that made me reevaluate, like, how am I going to refer people and, and know that they are quality. So I was like, oh, I'll create a course. Like I had been in people's programs that had taught, you know, how to create a course. And I thought, well, this is going to be it. <laughs> this is the way Natalie's going to make a, a mark in, in the land of Natalie. I'm going to create this course and people are just going to come through here. And so I started working on the course content. And as I, I started to put the, the pencil to the paper, I really started to say, is this really going to give me any different of an outcome? Just because Gillian comes to this program, am I going to be able to refer her to Sally, Betty, and Joe any differently? No. Okay, I can say that she came through the program, but that doesn't tell me that she's absorbed it or that she's really, really taken the content or that she's actually qualified to even be in the, in the course, you know? So that's when I started saying, oh, well, I'll have pre-qualifications for someone to come inside of the, of the course. And from there, I started talking to an attorney. And before you know it, we had gone down the path of a certification. That's the backstory of how we got to the certification, which I believe is very important. Now, when mm-hmm. we finally decided to do the certification, <laughs> I had no idea the amount of um, of legalities behind setting up a certification. And so insert lots of attorney fees, lots of work there, lots of trademarks, copyrights, and a lot of effort, time, and and attention to the legalities of, of creating a certification company. Well, thank you for exposing that backstory and just breaking that down. That's really helpful because sometimes you wonder like, how does a certification come to be? Like what makes it official in one way or another? Once you did make your certification official, could you tell me the very beginning of it? What did you do at the beginning when you were just trying to get your certification 
out there and becoming a known thing. I knew that what we had was going to be powerful. I just didn't know who who exactly needed it and the potential that we could grow it to. So in its infancy, all of those people I was having coffee chats with, all of those people who had who I had partnered with and become friends with and 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 known and and friends of friends as well who had the gifts of operations, whether that was project management or human resources, which were really the only two disciplines I was looking at at that moment. We I, I just went to work and asked them, hey, would this be something valuable to them? And you know, it was it, it was definitely met really really well. The very first time I put this out as a beta, I think we had fourteen people come through the program, and we are now on the thirteenth cohort. So it has always been around relationship marketing. My entire business, the success of our business, is one hundred percent built on top of relationship marketing. As we have grown and as our lead generation has had to get bigger, etc. You know, we've pulled in other types of marketing. You know, we use very little paid advertising and mostly focus on the organic side. The most powerful part of our marketing strategy today, or the top of our funnel, is our podcast, which is the Ops Authority as well. And um, I would say that that is the greatest source of people really getting to know us. My audience is a they're fact finders, they're slow starts, they're very methodical, very much like me. And so we don't see a lot of people taking really fast action for a high ticket product. And generally that's the case, but ours tend to move a lot slower than um, other audiences. And so having a podcast and really knowing that it's, it's, it's the law, it truly is the long game. And so having a podcast that doesn't go away, having a, a place where people can binge content has been really rich and rewarding for us, as well as always really being transparent and, and willing to have conversations. So even though our business has grown and is quite large at this point, certainly compared to where we started, you know, we still have, we still get on the phone with people. We're still helping them to make a true decision for themselves. And we're also really, really honest and, and a super value centric company where if it's not right for somebody and if they need to do some other work or, or this really isn't the path for them, we're not too proud to say this is not the place for you. Do you know how people normally find your podcast? Searching. So I, I, we ask this all the time because I'm, I think we're just so curious, you know, it's, it's a niche podcast. So I also want to be very transparent again, that it's a niche podcast. So it's not like we're having hundreds and thousands Mm -hmm. of, of downloads with every single episode, but people are searching very much like an SEO kind of search process, but they're searching operations, project management, human resources. Those are the three search terms that people are looking for. And so of course, we tailor our content to make sure that we use those keywords and do our best to optimize what we can on that side. But once they come in, they binge and binge and binge. I mean, they it's not uncommon for someone to come in and listen to 10 or 15 episodes once they find us. So you said that one of your main marketing methods is relationship marketing. What does that look like? So we give a we do give a lot as far as coming into masterminds and um, group programs, etc., and just educating people on what operations means. And so lots of masterminds are most masterminds, I would say, are are made up of more of the visionary. If you're looking at an EOS model, you'll see an a, most of our masterminds are full of visionaries that are dying and really, really <laughs> excited about bringing in an operator. And so it's 
it's advantageous for us to go in there and really just give. I mean, we just, we honestly educate and give and it it builds a super strong relationship. Getting on podcasts is another great way for us to build relationships. Yes, it's visibility and kind of publicity for us, but at the same time, you're building a one-to-one relationship with that host. And that typically has tentacles. If you have a great delivery and a good connection, you know, it a lot of times it becomes a referral in itself. Uh, the other part of the relationship is that when students come to us, we over absolutely, we are obsessed with over delivering. And it is a value that we have inside of our company because of the experience that they have, which is by far and above better than they have had with any other experience that they have invested in for themselves. That becomes great relationship marketing for us, referral marketing, affiliate marketing, as well as relationship marketing. So your funnel starts essentially with forming those relationships by you going inside different mastermind programs or getting on different podcasts and, you know, and the students that you already have. And where does it go from there? I imagine that probably attracts leads who apply on your website or something like that. Right. We do have an application process. And actually between the application process and them finding us more top of funnel, we do about six conversion events a year. And those conversion events for us vary. We do, I have been coached by Kelly Roach for a couple of years. And so we follow the live launch model. We do that two times a year. This year, we'll do it two times a year. We've done it more in the past where we're looking at a five-day, pretty much a five-day challenge, but um, u- utilizing the live launch method. We do master classes and then we do just one time a year, we do an information session, which has really piqued our interest because the conversion off of that is as strong as many of these five-day events that we've been having. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of excited and curious to dive in there because it's it's a one-time event and um, they're they're frankly, they're just more simple. They're a lot more simple. And if the conversion is the same, I'm kind of excited to see what we can do to test that and and amplify that this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the event itself is more simple. And then also people are coming into it in exactly the right mindset to be ready to buy. So your conversions are going to be pretty high on that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just the, the amount of conversion is really high. Now we do have evergreen funnels that we have set up off of, you know, you know, opt-ins and etc. bringing people in and our applications are evergreen. So people can apply at any time. We start our cohorts four to six times a year. So those people who have come in, applied, been accepted, they put down a deposit and then they can start in our upcoming or the, the nearest mm-hmm. cohort for them. Okay, let me take just a minute to tell you about something that has changed my life. YouTube. Seriously. Now, I'm sure you're probably aware that YouTubers can earn money, but you might not realize how much. It's not just pocket change. You can make a full-time living as a video creator. Make good money making fun videos? I know, sounds too good to be true. But four years ago, I started my own channel. And in less than six months, my husband and I quit our day jobs, sold our house, traveled to Europe for two months, and then came back and bought a new house. And that was all financed by, you guessed it, my YouTube channel. I know this sounds crazy, but I also know I'm not the only one. There are literally millions of people supporting themselves from YouTube. And they do it by making videos about every topic you could possibly think of. Cooking, cleaning, art, makeup, career advice, real estate, cats, books, and even just reacting to other YouTube videos. 
If you want to learn more about how this works and how you can get a piece of the action, then check out my free on-demand workshop called Three Secrets to Reach 1,000 Subscribers and Get Your Channel Monetized in Just Three Months. Because that's the truth. If you know how the platform works, you don't have to wait years for your channel to grow. You can start getting views from day one, be making money in as little as three months, and be on your way to making a living as a creator before you know it. Sign up now for this free on-demand YouTube training by heading to gillianperkins.com slash YouTube training. Again, that's gillianperkins.com slash YouTube training. And of course, you can find that link in the show notes as well. I can't wait to teach you how to start your own successful YouTube channel and start earning a living as a creator. So you have kind of these three different sales systems, it sounds like. You have the evergreen funnels, you have the live launch events that it sounds like are challenges, and then you also have these information sessions. I'm curious which one you feel like is the most successful. You mentioned that information sessions are really easy. Are they the easiest or now that the evergreen funnels are set up, maybe they're the easiest, but do they convert as well as the information sessions? Yeah, tell me your thoughts on that. I think the hardest part of my business is evergreen. <laughs> oh, do. really? Why do you say that? I I think it's my delivery. I love teaching. My favorite part of all of the marketing that we do is anytime I can show up live and connect with people. I believe that we are, you know, the dehumanization is, is even though people say that they don't want to take the time to participate and show up every single day, the, the connection that people are, if you're going to invest in a high ticket product, I want to give them an ample amount of opportunity to get to know who they're going to be learning from. So it's not just me that is showing up, it's our entire team. And so they're really getting to see what it looks like and experience what it may feel like whenever they say yes to, uh, you know, a $7,500 product. And I want them to have that so that they come in really understanding our expectations of them and their expectations of us. It's it's really something that is very important to us. So the teaching aspect is always really exciting. The evergreen, remember, I'm an operations person and you've got a front side of business and a back side of business. I am all about the back side of business. I have to stretch myself in that front side and that's mm-hmm. the marketing side. That's where these evergreen funnels come in that honestly... They're just overwhelming because it feels like they're, they're, they're never ending. People think, oh, it's passive. You said it, you forget it. It's the furthest thing. It's the hardest part of business to me. It's interesting to hear you say that. I would have thought that being operations minded, you'd feel the opposite about these different types of sales events where the live ones, as someone who is again, operations minded, that would be the more difficult, more stressful part versus the evergreen system that you set up mm-hmm. and then you're just doing maintenance on. That would have been the part that I would, that would have worked worked better with your personality type. So that's interesting. I think so in operations, delivery is definitely a big part of operations. And I think program management, coordination, all of that fits inside of that operational discipline. And it's what I really love. And I, and I have to say, I'm like born to be a COO, but I've had to stretch myself to be a CEO and work inside of the marketing space because my natural discipline is inside of operations. So um, at the same time, as I have stretched myself, of course, I think it's, it's common for all of us who are learning and 
and growing in other disciplines to, to have that hybrid. And sales are not scary for me. They are scary for a lot of the people that come through our program because, you know, a lot of our gals tend to be very so methodical, so perfectionistic, and so um, sometimes introverted, which can, some, for whatever reason, makes sales really scary. Now, that is not anything that I am scared about because I really, truly, deeply believe in what we are doing. We have crazy high satisfaction scores and completion scores, and just knowing the impact that we make makes the sale and asking for the sale just nothing that is intimidating for us. Yeah, that makes a big difference. It sounds like you like those live events the best, but I'm still curious which one, and I know there's lots of variables, of course, you know, like maybe you have more traffic coming into one of those different things, or maybe you promote one of them, but I'm still curious which one ends up being the most profitable for you. You know, seasonally, I could tell you based off of 2021, our live mm-hmm. launches, the five-day events were the most profitable for us, mm-hmm. but it was really close to the the information session that we did. So we're going to explore with that here in 2022 to see if that, you know, if that model is what the market needs. I'm not, you know, I believe every model is, especially every marketing model is going to have to change. But in 2021, the live event, actually 2020 and 2021, our live launch was by far and above the highest converting event that we have. Okay, so next, I want to get into talking about kind of starting to talk about the time aspect of things, like how much time do different things take you and your team. But I think in order to give context for that, we would need to know how many customers or how many clients, how many students you are working with Mm -hmm. at any given time. So you mentioned you're doing these cohorts four to six times a year. And how many people are you typically having go through the cohorts at this point? We have a cap of 50 people coming through a cohort at one time. And, you know, seasonally, it, it definitely changes throughout the season. But we're looking any pretty much between 30 and 50 with every single cohort that we have come in. So some years we have served 100, 100 students and other years we're getting much closer to 200. And um, we're, we're excited to see we're doing fewer launches this year. So um, with every single cohort, we're looking at we'll say an average of 40 students. So with these 40 or so students that you're working with at any given time and these multiple launch events you're doing per year, tell me a little bit about what your team looks like. How many people are on your team? What are some of the main roles that are on your team? We've been working really hard to grow the team and get the team in a stable place. And so in 2021, we made a pretty big investment in moving our contractors into employees. And so we have six full-time employees. We have one part-time employee and we have about um, 10 part-time contractors that are also on this team. So it's a it's a pretty built out team. We have um, departments inside of our company. We have a marketing department and operations department and a coaching and delivery department as well. In each of those departments, we have a leader as a director or a manager inside of each of those. And then we have support in both marketing and operations. In our delivery side, we have we have 13 coaches, we have two accountability advisors, and we have a director of coaching and success. So that's the heaviest part of our business, but it's also the most important. uh, Well, arguably, just like I kind of explained earlier, the delivery, we are really, really passionate about over delivering. And so if that is going to be something that, you know, I align with, then it made sense for us to really deep, 
you know, build out that portion. We've certainly in different times have had to do the delivery differently when it was back in the day when it was just me doing that. And then when I grew that to be me and a couple other people, and now it's just, it's, it's really robust. And um, I'm grateful to have the leadership on that side so that, you know, we have one person focused on developing not only the student's success, but also our coach's success. So the team is, is, pretty big at this point and really feels like it's in like each each of them are independent as well as interdependent and I think we're able to just accomplish a whole lot more. Now that said, the investment to have a team like that is you know, it's it's a big one and so now we start looking at the marketing efforts quite a bit to make sure that we're in front of enough people to be able to satisfy, you know, all of the salaries as well as the overhead that comes with doing business. I was going to hazard a guess that, that your biggest expense was probably HR. I'm curious, though, with the certification business model, do you have any other significant business expenses? Labor is absolutely our biggest expense. The secondary expense is our marketing. So any of our advertising that we do. And then the third expense is the um, client satisfaction, client gifts that we send out. Oh, really? That's not significant. It is significant. (laughs) So tell me about some of the main activities that you or people on your team do that really impact your business's revenue. Well, kind of piggybacking off of the way that our team is laid out. Every single one of our team of our departments, as well as every team player in our organization has ties to revenue. And that's important for us. So our, you know, I would say probably not surprising, but you know, the, the main activity that is going to generate the most amount of revenue is going to come through our marketing activities. And so, you know, setting up these, the launches and the conversion events, but that's kind of like chronologically that makes sense. But I would say that, you know, our whole team shows up and delivers on these things. And so with every single conversion event, so, you know, from a main activity, that connection with the prospect or even with a student or a referral or, you know, an affiliate is it's, I would say that that main activity almost supersedes that of the marketing department. And then when it comes to your time as the owner and operator of the business, what are the tasks that you spend the majority of your time on? Content creation, for sure. Content creation, connection, you know, working with other with other leaders to, you know, to help them understand and educate them on what operations is and why a director of operations or how to grow their their organization. You know, those are the things that I do the majority of today. Of course, that has definitely changed in the last seven years when I was doing all the things front, you know, front office and back office. But our team is is really set up in a way to where those, you know, we we are really critical. I mean, we we teach people how to build businesses. And so (laughs) to no surprise, we are the best steward of that information. And so, you know, I think that it's been a real gift for me to be able to hand off those things that, that no one else can do that is that, I mean, truthfully, no one else is as tied to the mission of the company like me, because it's mine and it's built off of a personal brand. So making sure that we spend time in creating content. Of course, we've got people who are repurposing and guiding us and creating strategies for us on that piece. But my time is mostly in content creation, curriculum development, and building connection with with other people who need to know about operations. When you say content creation, is it primarily free content for marketing? Or is it primarily paid content that gets used in the programs? 
free. So our curric- so yeah, that's the difference. The content part is all free front-facing uh, marketing content. And then the curriculum development is, I mean, we don't, our curriculum has been, prim- I mean, has really been set for the last two years. We add upon it you know, occasionally if, if, you know, laws and stuff are, t- are changed, of course, we will come back in and re-record that. We don't have to do a ton of that today because we invested in it early on. Now, this year in quarter one, we are redoing every single bit of our content. So there's been a lot of projects in the curriculum area for us to just, you know, to re-record and, and create new assets for that, really illustrate some of the things that we have been teaching for a long time. So it's really up-leveling the curriculum, but definitely there's still parts of the curriculum if we get, a, I mean, every single question is asked. So if someone asks something that has not been, that is not in our course curriculum, then we record it and we add it and, and we make that available to every person who's ever come through our certification. Well, thank you so much, Natalie, for everything that you shared with us today. It was really interesting to learn more about the certification business model, how your business works, how it makes money and what you do as the owner and operator of it. So thank you so much for everything that you shared. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Now, here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of this episode you're listening to right now and share it out on your Instagram stories. And when you do, make sure you tag me at Gillian Z Perkins so I can see you're listening. Sharing on stories is going to help more people find this podcast so they too can learn how to build their business in a way that allows them to work less and earn more. And if you really love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts right now and leave Work Less, Earn More a review to give it a boost and help even more people find it. Okay, let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins, and until next week, stay focused and take action.